ladies and gentlemen, listening from around the world, we are live! Welcome to this episode of Tailgates and Teasers! And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, introducing your host, Drew Gwerner! It's time! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of Tailgates and Teasers, first one of 2021. I'm your host, Drew Gorder. Really excited about today's episode. Got Jake Ward coming on, talking some UFC 257, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, as well as championship weekend in football, AFC, NFC, title matches, Chiefs, Bucks, Super Bowl. So looking forward to that. Before we get going, got to shout out the sponsors. Shout out to Broken Bat Workshop. Follow them on Instagram at Broken Bat Workshop. Use the code TNT10 for 10% off your order at checkout, as well as Perfect Golf. Follow them at Perfect Golf on Instagram. Use the code TAILGATES, all caps, for 20% off your order with them. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram as well for the latest updates. we got a lot of cool stuff coming your way in 2021, so looking forward to get that going. But for right now, we got Jake Ward coming on to talk some sports, so let's get into it. Right, episode 14 underway got jake ward here with me first one of 2021 jake welcome in hey thanks for having me drew looking forward to finally getting this thing going again first one of 2021 nothing better than a afc nfc championship weekend and ufc 257 conor mcgregor dustin poirier so we got a lot to talk about today let's start with football we had the nfc championship game between the bucks and the packers brady rogers what were your thoughts on the game I mean, it, it lived up to a ton of hype, you know, it, it had a lot of drama and intrigue to it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it has signaled the end of the, the Aaron Rodgers era in green Bay. Um, you know, when, when you hear him talk about kind of what happened on that last drive when they were down by eight and, you know, he just kind of points to the fact that it wasn't his decision to kick the field goal on fourth down. And, and, uh, I, I know many and myself included think that they should have gone for it on that fourth down. You know, why, how do you not give Aaron Rodgers the chance to tie the game? I, I do understand that it was on the other side of the two minute warning and you had all three timeouts. So essentially you have four stoppages of the clock, but you weren't, I mean, you were lucky to get a couple turnovers in that game early. You weren't really stopping Brady late in the game. He was kind of moving the ball at will and you were lucky that the game wasn't worse because you got those couple of turnovers and you couldn't capitalize. So I, I, you know, great game hats off to Tom Brady. Although when I say that, I also have to. This man. <laughs> but there's a reason he's the goat, you know, reason he's the goat hats off to him respect. And he's playing in his record 10th Super Bowl, which is just astounding. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting how you're down. Right. And, Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks of this generation and you don't 
have the trust in him to get you that touchdown. You pay him how many millions of dollars a year, but you go to your kicker and rely on that defense. I don't think that was the right call whatsoever. But, you know, the Bucks actually surprised me. Their defense in the first half looked pretty damn good. Um, they were able to get to Rodgers, put pressure on him. Like, you know, they played well. I thought they deserved to win that game at the end of the day. So. Oh, they they definitely did, and, and you know the Bucks defense was no joke. Going back to last year, the joke on the team was Jameis Winston, you know, putting them in such bad situations all the time. But if you statistically look at their defense last year, they were pretty good, and a lot of people thought they were just a good quarterback away from being a, a strong contender. So what happens? They turn around and get who is arguably the best quarterback of all time at the most important position in all of sports. You know, it. A lot of people saw them being good with a good quarterback and and that defense was a a big part of the reason why and they showed why against the Packers on Sunday. Yeah, and then we had the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bills and I hate to say this but the Chiefs I knew were going to win the game. I watched the first half if that and turned it off. Um I was just super impressed, you know, Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day, he's kind of the passing of the torch as you say from Brady and Mahomes once Brady retires, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes time and I know you're a Raiders fan so that's hard to hear yeah well I mean hey a a Super Bowl that has Mahomes and the Chiefs against Brady and the Bucks is just a lose 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 for any Raider fan out there Mm -hmm. um and to know that you know Mahomes is going to dominate the AFC West for a long time coming I, I mean that game with the Bills it you kind of had a you got your hopes up for the Bills in the first quarter. They got up nine nothing, and then as any AFC West fan will tell you, Mahomes does what he does best. They put up twenty one unanswered in the second quarter alone. You know, so and from that point on, it, it pretty much it, it was a close game, but you knew who was going to win. It, it was pretty much the Chiefs from there on out, and it sets up what is you know a, a Hollywood uh, tale in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, 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 old guard versus the new guard, as, as you mentioned, a sort of passing of the torch. Yeah. Can it happen? And, you know, we'll get to the Super Bowl picks here in a moment. But, uh, you know, it, it, Mahomes definitely is the face of that new guard. A lot of people, you know, talked about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had the MVP year. I know, you know, Rodgers was back in MVP form this year. But Mahomes will be that sort of LeBron figure for the NFL for a long time to come. Maybe not LeBron-esque in terms of his stature, but he'll get close, especially if he wins a second straight Super Bowl. Yeah. Something else that I thought was interesting, too. Brady goes from the AFC to the NFC after playing Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game right last year, and he comes back this year, wins the NFC title, and he already has as many NFC titles as Aaron Rodgers, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC for the past, what, 10, 12 years? So I just thought that was super interesting. Comes in one year, gets the job done. You know, if that doesn't spell goat, I don't, I don't know. Well, and, and that's a big reason why we consider him the goat, you know, for as great as Aaron Rodgers is. And, and we all do agree that Aaron Rodgers is great. He may not be up there at breeze and, and Brady record numbers yet, but we do all recognize Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. And just to, you know, to, to see that he's one in three in championship games while Brady is going to his, you know, 10th Super Bowl, it, it just, you don't think of those guys as that far off, but it, it really either shows the greatness of Tom Brady or really that Aaron Rodgers isn't as great as everybody thinks he is. Yeah, I think it's more of just who can win in the clutch moments, right? You know, when the spotlight's shining on him, who's going to perform? And, you know, Rodgers, 
his skill level to me is just as good as Brady's. It's just who can get the job done when it matters most, right? So let's move on to the Super Bowl. We have the Bucks and Chiefs. Super Bowl 55, who are you going to take in this one? Well, you know, I uh, I just can never bring myself to, to pick Tom Brady as a winner in a Super Bowl. So even though the other side is a divisional opponent, I got, you know, the new guard of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs taking over from Tom Brady, the old guard. And, you know, granted, he's on a new team with the Buccaneers. So, you know, kind of take that for what it's worth. But this will be sort of the, you know, like we keep mentioning, the passing of the torch. This I expect to see Mahomes come out and put up a good game against a tough Buccaneers defense and show why everybody is so high on him. I know that really the Chiefs haven't quite been blowing people out this year as everybody expects. You know, they haven't been the, you know, the same dangerous old Chiefs, but Mahomes, I guarantee you, hears that and will be out to to prove that he is indeed the new face of the NFL. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go Chiefs as well. You know, I just feel like, don't get me wrong, Brady's a stud in the Super Bowl, but and I've never gone against Brady in the Super Bowl, but this is the first time where I feel like the Chiefs just actually have more firepower than the Bucks do defensively and offensively, even, even though they have Mike Evans and Godwin and, you know, a solid receiving court. It's just, you know, they got Tyree Kill. They have Kelsey, right, who had over 1,000 yards as a tight end. And it's I just mean, hard, he, it's Kelsey, hard to take away from that. Kelsey is amazing putting up wide receiver one numbers as a tight end. Like, he, exactly. he is the star receiver in probably 30 other offenses in the NFL, maybe 28, <laughs> 29 other offenses in the NFL, and he's, you know, arguably 1B in that offense. Like, like it's, it's amazing. But one thing to kind of be aware of for the Super Bowl is that the Chiefs lost, you know, their, one of their starting tackles. Uh, to an Achilles injury. And I, I want to say it was Eric Fisher. I could be wrong on that. But that, that's going to be a, a huge it loss. Was Fisher. We, it was we Fisher. We saw the, the Buccaneers get a lot of pressure against Aaron Rodgers. That's how they dominated them back in week six when they won 38-10. to 10, And it's how they controlled the game on Sunday. Now, it was a lot closer this this last meeting. But the game script still largely went the same and that the Buccaneers got up, they got up early and they did it by generating a decent rush by rushing only four, maybe five guys at most and right. getting Rogers out of the pocket, forcing him to move and trying to, to beat him, you know, either with his legs or by making something happen or throwing it before he's ready. Now, Mahomes is very adept at all of that. We know that he can get out of the pocket, he can escape, he can maneuver, he'll make a sidearm throw, he'll, he'll, he'll razzle and dazzle as he always does. But when you don't have that starting blindside tackle, your internal clock is going to be messed up because you don't know how long you have now. Like You have a general familiarity and comfortability with your starting left tackle and that, okay, most plays I know I've got a solid three to four seconds at most against – who were some of the, the best defensive ends in the league. Well, now I have my backup coming in. Maybe I only get two seconds. I'm not getting that extra second to look downfield for Tyreek or wait for Kelsey to get open on a pick across the middle. That changes the offense that dramatically. So it, it, it will be something to watch for, but I think it's something the Chiefs can overcome. Definitely. And then also this past weekend, transition a little bit, USC 257, we had – an amazing card uh, put on by the UFC. You had Hooker, Michael Chandler as the 
co-main event, then you had Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier for, you know, Conor was ranked four, Dustin was ranked two in that lightweight division that's extremely stacked right now. What were your thoughts on the fight? You know, obviously Poirier won with TKO in the second round. Um, and then, of course, Michael Chandler for the co-main event first round against uh, Hooker there. So what were your thoughts on the card? Well, the card I, I thought was a great card. You know, a couple of exciting fights in the division, as you mentioned. And, you know, the the thing that stood out most to me, and, you know, it probably shouldn't be a shock, but anytime Conor McGregor steps in the octagon and loses, it it is a bit of a shock, you know, just – he is about the closest thing that our generation has seen to Mike Tyson, and he's still not even really that close. You know, it, it's in the you mean, ballpark. You mean maybe. by, like, name brand kind of? Name if it's brand a McGregor by, fight, you have to buy it, Exactly, right? right? Yeah. You're like, you're, if he's fighting, you're tuning in to see it, no matter where you're at, or you're scheduling your plans around being able to see his fight. So 1.6 million pay-per-view buys, by the way, in this last card. Exactly. I, I believe that's a UFC record, right? I, th I believe so. And his last, I read this today, it was his last six fights. He's had over 1 million pay-per-view buys as well. So it just goes to show you that whenever he's fighting, people are turning in to watch. Which, so it leads a little to the argument of he's as close to Mike Tyson as we have. And you, right. what goes along with Mike Tyson is that kind of untouchability, you know, that sort of like, he's just going to win. He's going to step in and dominate. And he really hasn't been that. You mentioned, I, I think, before the show that he's one and two in his last three fights. And, and you know, he, he controlled the first round a, a good majority. But when he came out in that second round, he got getting peppered with those, those front leg kicks. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, eventually he just couldn't balance on that leg, got tagged a couple times, goes down, and then his eyes are rolling in the back of his head and the fight's over. You know, hats off to Dustin Poirier. He did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Poirier has a really cool story, too. Uh, he can definitely take a punch, obviously, from McGregor, who lands those left hooks like it's nothing. But Poirier grew up riding his bike around. He didn't. He dropped out of school, dropped out of high school completely. He was riding his bike around town with boxing gloves on his bike and asking people, "Hey, you want to fight? Like, you want to spar?" That's he. He was so passionate about it, and that's where he didn't know he had a career in that. And one dude stopped him one day and said, "You know, you can do this for a living, right?" And Poirier was like, no, he, did, he had no idea. And that's kind of how he came to greatness, which was fo following that passion, which I think is a really cool story. But we go back to the fight with McGregor. McGregor won the first round, I believe, hands down. You know, he was tagging him. Dustin was wobbling a little bit there with a couple of those left strikes. But the second round came along, and I think it goes to show you that McGregor has a different fighting stance now as well. You, you think when he was made his championship run at double champ. He was light on his feet, kind of karate style. You know, his hands were extended out more to take over those, that range. And um, now he's more boxing flat footed. And that leg, I think Poirier took advantage of it. It's, it's further out closer to the opponent. And Poirier said at the end of the day, thank you very much. I'm just going to go to school on the bottom half, which ultimately I think took the focus away from McGregor uh, trying to land those strikes up in his face and had to focus more on Dustin's kicks, which at the end of the day put him put him away. So I don't know. I think it's his transition to boxing. I think he's you know trying to think a little bit too much about the future instead of if he wants to win this light lightweight belt again before he eventually moves on to boxing, he's got to go back to his old ways because that division is not going to be easy to get back to the top end for sure. Yeah. I 
I mean, you mentioned the style, and, and you could even see it when, when he was fighting. I mean, when you think about a Conor McGregor fight, how many head kicks and, and just kicks in general do you see Conor throw? Like, he is very active kickboxing-wise, yeah. both hands and feet. And this last fight, I can't even remember him throwing maybe more than two or three the entire fight. You know, it, it just – the style it was, was like way different. three or four, yeah. Yeah, and he even mentioned, like, hey, I didn't get to use all the, the tools that I had. And, you know, that, that seems pretty obvious. And, and, you know, there is something to be said for a little ring rust. You know, your timing's off in fighting. Right. And, you know, it, it can affect guys. Now it's not always a big factor. GSP took a three-and-a-half-year break and then choked out Michael Bisping. So it, it's, you know, not always an excuse. And Dustin – sorry, uh, Connor even said no excuses. You know, Dustin was the better fighter. He won, you know, that night. And, and he – it was clear, you know, in that second round that Connor just got – he was off balance. He, like you said, he was worried about the leg kick, went down. And, and, you know, for Dustin, I think this sets up the fact that he has to be in a title fight, whether that's going to be interim if Habib is going to come back, which looks very doubtful. doubtful. And if yep. it is very doubtful, then he needs to be in an undisputed title match. And you mentioned you – know, we haven't got to really talk about it. You know, the, the Chandler fight before the Chandler-Hooker fight and – you know, Chandler was as advertised. You know, a lot of people were hyping him up, coming in, saying that, hey, this was going to be a, a great card for the lightweights. Watch the debut of, of Michael Chandler, and it definitely didn't disappoint. You know, it, mm. it like you said, first round stoppage. And then he was very aggressive in going out and saying, hey, Connor, you're not the king anymore. Hey, Habib, come fight me to get to 30. No, he called out all the guys in the division, including Dustin Poirier. So I right. got to imagine that if Habib, is not going to be come back. There has to be a title fight between Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. I think that's the move that you make, unless you maybe yeah. move to Oliveira. Well, that's the move right now that Dana wants to make is Poirier versus Chandler. He's came out and said it, that he loves the hype behind this guy. He's a three-time lightweight world champion from Bellator. He fought in Bellator from 2010 to 2020, made the transition to the UFC. So he definitely has the experience in the, you know, the championship experience. That would be a good fight. Now, there's also the fan favorite, which is there's two options. There is the Oliveira fight, who has extreme hype behind him, a lot of momentum pushing. He made Tony Ferguson look like a very very low level fighter which is hard to do because tony ferguson is i believe fifth ranked lightweight right now in the ufc then you have the other one which is mcgregor and that's going to be the trilogy that might not always be there so you have to take into account do they make that trilogy fight now while that's still an option because we don't know if connor's gonna what if he comes out and loses the next fight he's one in three in his last four ufc fights that's kind of looking at a retirement sort of Maybe I should transition to boxing stage. So I think McGregor still is a top, top fighter in the UFC and that they should make that fight, honestly. The Nate Diaz fight is always going to be there. We know that. Um, but McGregor now do, does have a six-month suspension due to his injury, and he has to get cleared by doctors before because I believe he broke his leg. Poirier broke his leg. Um, so Poirier will probably fight again before that. But I'd like to see Foner. Connor fight Gaethje as well because last July before COVID hit, they were originally scheduled to fight. So Ferguson would be another good one. Um, guys coming both off losses. So kind of see where they line up in the rankings after that. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. There's just so many good lightweights right now. 
Connor was already number four, and with the loss, dropped down to number six. So as right. much as I know that they want to, you know, Dustin Poirier may want that trilogy in case that, you know, Connor doesn't make it back. I just, I don't see how you can do that when he is now clearly the number one contender and Connor is now down at number six. Connor has to go through one, if not two, fights before he can get back to Dustin Poirier and hope that right. Poirier is still the champion there. If not, maybe they meet in that second fight in between, but. Connor's going to have to do some work. Uh, maybe he gets Tony Ferguson. Maybe they do Nate Diaz. Uh, I mean, at the very least, it's got to be Gaethje before you let him get back to Poirier. You've got to, you've got to have him show that he can beat solid fighters again. Because there was, you know, there, there were people who were legitimate Connor doubters in the first place. Which you know, hey, he had a seven or seventeen second knockout of Jose Aldo. So I, I don't, you know, I think Connor was pretty legit before. But there was a lot of people that, you know, didn't think that Connor was as legit as advertised. You know, they said they pointed out the problems with his wrestling and you're going to have to see him beat a couple people now to get back yeah. to the top of the mountain and not that he can't do it. We know that he can, but he's now going to have to deal with another long period of time off and he's going to have to try to get as best as he can and up to shape as he can. And, and maybe he can fight again in eight months now. I mean, it's yeah. You're looking at August, September. I think September fight would be a it's, good fight. It's tough to plan a move for him right now, and so much is going to happen between now and then with all of those guys because that's that's probably the most loaded division right now. A lot of people want to see, you know, the potential matchup of Nate Diaz versus Poirier. Uh, for me personally, Nate Diaz hasn't been active since 2019, and he's not even a true lightweight. He's been up in welterweight. So I think that, you know, that's kind of a slap into the face to the guys like Gaethje and Ferguson. And uh, there's even, you know, Chandler now, Oliveira, RDA, all those guys that have been active in that division. So, but Gaethje came out today and was talking a bunch of smack. He, he called out Poirier. He wants to revenge or uh, run it back with him because Poirier beat him not too long ago. And then you also have Gaethje who called out Nate Diaz for trying to come back to the lightweight division, which is really ironic because we all know Nate Diaz loves his, uh, loves to smoke but he said i'll roll nate diaz up and smoke him myself so i thought that was really funny um love it but yeah, that, that reminds me of a little stone cold right there yeah. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> but uh yeah looking forward to seeing what this division brings it's going to be crazy hoping mcgregor comes back out because i'm a really big fan of his he might not be the best fighter in that division anymore but at one time he was it's just his story is so awesome, you know, and how he came from really nothing and to becoming a, the first double champ in the UFC. So I really hope he can find a way to get back on top before he eventually makes that transition to boxing. So, all right, well, that's all we have for episode 14. Jake, thank you for coming on, talking some UFC and football. Next week, we have a big lot to talk about with baseball. There's been moves left and right. So looking forward to next week's episode. And yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right.